Good afternoon and thank you for joining me again. Julian Campbell here with Business, The Law and You. And we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is get your message across in a difficult conversation. Also going to be having a chat with Christina, who's returned from the States, and we're going to be looking at uh, highlights from the Singularity Global Summit. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Kimberly Claire Campbell, who's a successful small business owner and business advisor, and we're going to talk about starting a business. Good afternoon, Kimberly. Hi, Julian. Well, thanks for joining us again. And uh, I suppose the first question to ask is, what is the first step to starting a business? The very first step is usually you have a business idea. You think it might make you some money or maybe give you a full-time job. So you need to then start researching that idea and finding out if there is actually a market for that. So looking at your idea from the problem that you're solving for your potential customer, it's always good to be able to create a solution for people and not give them something they don't really want. And... Find out who that niche person is that you're going to be um, promoting your product to and hopefully they will be buying it. So if you're a product or service-based business, you need to work out what the cost is to run your business. So we've got all the usual things of um, purchasing your business name, your ABN, not your ABN, sorry, your um, domain name and insurance and then there's often other charges in there like business cards, promotional material, website hosting. So when you look at all the expenses that you have from your business, you can then work out how much you need to charge for your product or service to make some money out of it. So how do I know if I've got the skills to start running a business? Most of us turn our hobby into our business or we've worked in that particular industry so we're quite experienced at the front part of the business but it's usually the back back end of the business that we can be weak at so it's looking at things like um, managing your money understanding cash flows and learning how to work with teams also, you need to be very motivated to be self-employed. It's one of those situations where if you're not somebody that will take the initiative, might be best not to go into business because you have to be dedicated. You have to wake up in the morning and be excited to go and do what you do for your clients. So there's a lot of self-belief and hard work. But in the same sense, you need to be adaptable and flexible and move with what your clients need from you. So so do I need to get some formal training before I start? You don't need to, but it can be very helpful. There's lots of information online. Google's the first mentor most people go through for business advice, but some of that business advice isn't really applicable to Australian business conditions or it's it's just not accurate. So if you can find some formal training, that can really help you get a head start in your business and and make for a stronger foundation in your business. So is there any government assistance that can help me with this? Yeah, the federal government is really keen on helping people start and grow their businesses. 
So um, out at the Hunter Valley Hub, we've got some great courses that are free if you're currently looking for work and thinking about establishing your own business. One of those is called Explore Being Your Own Box, and that's a a really great course for people who have an idea but they don't know whether that idea is a viable business idea. So during the training program, we look at working out how to validate your business idea um, and changing your thinking from being somebody who's been employed to thinking like an entrepreneur. It's a whole different mindset. So we help and encourage people to do that. We also teach about selling skills and financial planning, how to communicate your ideas without being salesy and getting your business online, which is really important in our digital age. The other program that we've got, which is a good follow-on for the BOSS course, is the NICE program, which is the New Enterprise Incentive Scheme. And again, that's a free federal government program. And that helps people who have got a, a viable business idea turn that into a really strong business. So we offer six-week full-time training where we put you through a certificate course in small business and you also put together a business plan for your business. So you really know how that business is going to work for at least the first two years of, of your business. And you also get 12 months business mentoring with that. So you've got somebody there to help and support you through those initial stages of growing your business. Okay. And how can I find out about this for a website? Yes, we're at the huntervalleyhub.com.au. Okay. Thank you very much for your time again. You're welcome. uh, We'll have a chat again another time. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Kimberly Claire Campbell there helping us with some ideas of starting a small business. Yeah, it's not always for everybody and uh, sometimes uh, it is uh, useful to get a bit of valuable information and the government is there to help us with some of those courses. Time to uh, visit uh, Christina and uh, her return to Australia. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. And it's a cold return, let me <laughs> tell you. What, politically or uh, just the weather? <laughs> oh, well, there you go, politically and the weather. <laughs> Come, I, I left the country, we had one Prime Minister, I came back, there was another. Yeah, well, maybe we would have had the same over in America one day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go, Let's, no comment. So you <laughs> went to uh, the global uh, Singularity Global Summit, so yes, uh, I did. we've got some uh, fantastic ideas for us. Yes, and I guess the, the biggest um, the biggest takeout for businesses, big and small, is we really need to be thinking much bigger than what we're thinking than the mm. levels that we're thinking at at the moment. Uh, some of the the advances in technology that are happening globally are absolutely incredible. I witnessed um, the first artificial intelligent, whose name is Rachel. She's not the first artificial intelligent, but she's the first artificial intelligent to be invited onto a faculty of a um, of you know a university um, so to speak so uh, the good thing about this is that it comes from one of our neighbors New Zealand so uh, there's a, a company over there working at high-end AI uh, and you know there's all these debates happening around artificial intelligence whether they should be looking human or whether we should maintain um, their their machine-like qualities. Yeah. And, you know, you listen to the arguments and there's ethical reasons for doing both. I mean, there's a lot of work being done in aged care, for example, uh, and in, uh, in isolated areas, in elderly homes, 
where they're using AI that have human features to keep people company and the improvements in their health and their cognitive abilities, the reduction in, in, um, in the progression of diseases like Alzheimer's uh, is quite noticeable. And then you've got the people on the other end that say, well, you know, do we really want to get to a point where we're walking down the street and we can't tell the difference between an artificial intelligence and a real human? Mm. Uh, you know, so there's ethical arguments to be had on both sides. Uh, there's a, a, um, an incredible gentleman by the name of Mo Gordat who actually says, you know, it, it, whichever way we go doesn't really matter as long as we're heading into that area with the right intent. So at the moment, if we have a look through the history pages, Artificial intelligence are learning through um, through a rather sad history of humanity. And what we need to be doing is setting really good examples and, and um, being the good parent, I guess, to, to artificial intelligence. The other thing I saw that, that kind of rocked me, and I knew it was out there, I'd seen photos before, but I saw the first, I, I saw somebody jetson into um, an event. So they had the, the spacesuit on the backpack, they had the jets happening, and they basically flew. Um, solo into an event. It was quite a remarkable thing to see, mm. even though I knew it, it had been happening. I knew it had been in development for quite some time, but to actually see it in reality was quite remarkable. Uh, we talked about things like what, you know, the future of work. And anybody mm. who tells you they know what skills, well, not so much what skills, but what the jobs are of the future, um, is actually having us all on because we don't know. And if we go back to the example of the iPhone, 11 years ago, so 10 years ago the iPhone came into being, 11 years ago we had no idea where the iPhone would be taking us and the capability um, that one little machine would have. The other thing is, you know, out of China, and they've got this app called WeChat that does absolutely everything uh, that all our apps on, a, on our iPhone does. So within one app is the capability of all the apps that are currently sitting on, on our phone. So that's quite remarkable. Does that make itself. it easier or harder? Oh, how would you know? It's, but it's like anything with technology. As soon as you start using it and you become familiar, um, familiar with the practices, it, yeah, then it becomes an easy thing to use. But it's that first initial adopting stage, getting to know how to use something, and that's where that's where the fear of change comes. I guess is in that. Oh goodness! Now I've got to learn a brand new system. But so, the only the, the skills that we're going to need, Julian, for yeah. any business out there that's considering, you know, even employing people now. People need to be creative, they need to be adaptive, and they need to be problem solvers. So they need to have a curiosity, or someone within your organisation needs to have the curiosity, needs to be adaptive, needs to be creative in order to lead um, the, the changes that are happening and that mm. are happening quite rapidly that we don't really need to fear because what we want to do is harness the best of everything to come up with the best possible solutions for mm. everything. So is the theory still out there that uh, kids that go to university by the end, done, they're at the end of their course, most of what they've learned is outdated? Uh, basically, yes. We're, all, we're always going to need that specialist expertise. Well, no, that's not true. We're not always going to need the specialist expertise. What gets me, and I'm happy to take debate on this, um, is that now we're entering the realm and we've just introduced coding into schools. Mm -hmm. And if you think about what AI and artificial intelligence and the algorithms that can be written, coding is one of those things. I don't know personally while we're pushing the whole coding thing. And people have said to me, oh, yes, but that's a fair way away. In fact, it's not. The person that's entering kindergarten next year will not need coding schools because there'll be algorithms that will be written by 
um, by machine. So, mm-hmm. you know, I come back again, be creative, be adaptive, yeah. be a problem solver, be curious. They're the skills we need to be teaching people. And mm-hmm. I know there's pockets of movements in those areas in, in education systems, yeah. um, particularly in individual schools, they're moving in that way, you know, project learning, collaborative learning. Uh, we just need to get a big national push on that so that we're at the forefront instead of behind. Mm. What Anything else interesting come out of the conference? Oh, lots. Well, if, if anybody ever doubted that one person can't make a difference, there was a really nice um, analogy made with, uh, with what motivated Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King, it said, was motivated by one woman who chose to sit on a different place on the bus than she was meant to, and that motivated his whole career, the whole um, the whole way that he approached the division uh, between black and white in mm. in in, Ameri- in the U.S. Mm. Um, I think anything that that educates, anything that inspires, anything that empowers people to be curious, to address the greatest problems that we have, you know, uh, it, and this is becoming quite cliche as well, but we've got enough food in the world to feed the population one and a half times over for 70 years. What we have a problem with is how we distribute that food. Mm. And we have a problem with distribution because potentially we have a problem with greed and we have a problem with leadership. Mm. So somewhere, you know, whether it's through design thinking principles or whether it's through sitting down and absolutely hunking into the core of who we are as a human species. Um, being in San Francisco was quite remarkable in itself. You know, I'm, I'm there at the, at the edge of technology, at the edge of moving forward, and I'm seeing I have never seen homelessness so concentrated. Mm. Uh, and I've been to San Francisco quite a few times now, but I've never seen it so concentrated as I did this time. There are people bussing their homeless into San Francisco, paying them $500, to move to San Francisco because San Francisco has what they call a tepid climate. I don't know about that. I froze there as well. Um, but also they've got they've got systems in place where they have pop-up breakfast shops and pop-up dinner places and um, they have mobile shower and toilet vans. So they, they're going around. But, you know, it's almost like the, the dichotomy of where we are, the highest in tech and the lowest of how we're looking after each other, confronted me every day in San Francisco. Yeah. So... We can solve these problems, but we need to want Think. to solve them. So, so the uh, the main theme that's come out of it for you that I, I'm hearing is uh, we've got to think more. We've got to look. We've got to be more visionary. Yeah, we do. And and businesses, organisations can do that from now. Like, mm. you know, you can make you can make. We've talked about it before. You don't have to be a disruptor in the innovation space. You can be an incrementalist, and that is just as valid. Mm. Making small steps of steps. improvement is just as valid as being the big disruptors. But where we can, the big orgs, the almost the entrepreneurs that are the new entrepreneurs that are coming out now, think bigger than you are thinking at the moment. Right. Well, thanks for your time, Christina. Welcome back. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with uh, experience from America and uh, certainly uh, where are we going with uh, the future? Nobody really knows. We'll keep posted. Time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. And as we said earlier, this one is get your message across in a difficult conversation. If you need to have a difficult conversation with someone, you're unlikely to come to a resolution if you don't hear the other person out. After you've listened to your counterpart, you can create a better understanding of your message by doing the following. Firstly, own your perspective. 
Treat your opinion like what it is, your opinion. Start sentences with I, not you. Explain what's bothering you and follow up by identifying what your hope will happen. Secondly, pay attention to your words. Avoid name-calling and finger-pointing. Your language should be simple, clear, direct and neutral. Thirdly, what's your body language? Are you slumping your shoulders, rolling your eyes? Take stock of the impression you're given, folding your arms. And finally, change the tenor of the conversation. If things get heated, don't panic. Take a deep breath and suggest a different approach such as if we put our heads together, we could probably come up with a way to move past this. Do you have any ideas? So some interesting points and we do get into some difficult conversations sometimes. It's a way of getting our message across. Watching that body language sometimes very, very important, isn't it? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, starting a small business and a government program that is available there to help us to uh, start the business if we're looking for work at uh, huntervalleyhub.com.au. We'll give you more information there. We've got a chat with Christina about uh, some of those events that are going on overseas, uh, particularly the Singularity Global Summit and way, the way of the future. In a moment, Sarah Farley-Adams will be back with us with more of her easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to visit the tax world with Tony Vidray. We'll talk innovation with Christina again and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Robert Kiyosaki once said, don't let the fear of losing be greater than the excitement of winning.